Yes, yes, as you can probably hear by the ambient noise, we are back in our second home for Horns Up. It's a place that begins with an S and ends with an S and has Tarbuck in the middle. Tarbuck. <laughs> <laughs> How are you, Peter? How have you been? Oh, good, man. It's been a hectic week, <laughs> but yeah, glad yeah. to be doing this again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking of which, uh, last episode, episode 18, pretty good reaction. It's the first time I actually felt that, oh my God, we managed to get somebody listening to us. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm very glad to hear just the debate. And I think now it's going to slowly build as we do more of these episodes. You're expecting but too much. It's just two fans talking about heavy metal music. <laughs> yeah, but... Come on, Alison Chains being metal, the kind of reaction we got to that and, you know, doing it with baby metal also. A lot of people think baby metal is... You know what, I think I think it, I think think it. all of that happened because we recorded with the Demon Stealer. Possible. It has to be his marketing magic, it has to be his... You know, he, he told us that he's going to get us 30, 30 listens. Those 30 listens made a lot of difference. <laughs> we... <laughs> To, to use the marketing term, <laughs> if I may, we have an engaged audience. Oh my God. <laughs> All right. But before we get on any further, uh, there was something that caught my eye. I flagged it off on Twitter too. And it's related to metal or not in one way. On uh, Apple Music, okay, this is Apple Music. It I only use Apple Music as my music uh, service as such nowadays, right? I'm not on Spotify, I'm not on... I use YouTube, but I don't use it for like uh, new music as much, as much as I prefer Apple Music. So, while uh, browsing through what Apple Music thinks I might like, there's this thing called grunge. <laughs> right? Awesome. Grunge, awesome. The first album I see there is Alice in Chains, which is absolutely alright, yeah. right? We've discussed it. The next album I see there is fucking Metallica with Load. <laughs> <laughs> Do we need to put Metallica in metal or not? I I don't know, man. Because it's very clear just from the guests that we've interviewed in the past, from our personal experiences, it's there's a large overwhelming evidence that Metallica is one of the most seminal bands, metal bands, they have fucking metal in their name. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I can't believe right? I've been talking about it. I mean, do you think Load is not metal? I know it's a softer release, I but is it grunge? I have our Apple Music slowly like telling us. But here's the thing, and I have two points to add to this. <laughs> a lot of these services right now, what they're using are algorithms. So. If we may give some leeway, it could have been an algorithm seeing that the tempo of the music, the ratio of the growls to the power chords. I don't know whatever their <laughs> criteria is for metal on Apple Music, but it could have got flagged off for that. Or there's a metalhead. Who's just screwing with Apple Music, yeah, right? Who, who's one of those editors or something there who has the final say and he's like, doing exactly what we talked but he's like this is not metal this is grunge <laughs> <laughs> and now load wasn't metal enough metallica <laughs> peaked and ended with black album <laughs> or no with and justice for all <laughs> well 
I think this is going to be a very interesting conversation. Shit, we should we, we should do a Metallica episode soon. Definitely. Right? There's just so much over there we like that's just boiling inside me that I need to talk about, vent yeah. about. And and then this is something I think whether you are a metal were a metal head, are a metal head or will be a metal head. There's someone always who's going to have an opinion on a band like Metallica. Yeah. I've actually never met anybody who was a metalhead. Like this is one of the very few genres where you know once you once you try it, once you taste it, and if you like it, you end up eating it your whole life. Unfortunately, I have met a few who put it as a phase in their life, but uh, they must only be listening to fucking new metal. Um, Limbiskit, <laughs> Linkin Park. <laughs> See, point, point established. Anyways, it's time on Horns Up to get things heavy again. Oh boy, this this is meat and potatoes metal. <laughs> meat and potatoes metal. Meat and potatoes death metal. Meat and potatoes slam metal. Yeah, I mean. So it's strange with this band that we're going to introduce. So you're going to hear a lot more about them. When I first heard of them, it was sla- categorized as slam to me. And the thing is, for people who know about it, slam is not like the most uh, polished or the most uh, how do I say accessible <laughs> music in a way. I mean, it's. Pretty much talk death metal. Only thing yeah. is slightly more chugger chugger rather chugger. than and bree bree bree. It's like they took few sections of suffocation <laughs> <laughs> and just made it an entire album. But you know, then once and especially if you look into the discography of the album, and we spoke uh, to the band themselves about it, the initial stuff is pretty much your standard stereotypical metal. Like if you had like if you put it by the categories we went for metal mm-hmm. or not it would definitely uh-huh. tick all four boxes of course yeah it's it's yeah. out and out metal yeah for me when i got the press release for their latest album mob justice wait one second we first i think should introduce what band we're talking about okay. because nobody apart from the two of us at the moment knows which band we're talking about all right, okay well, who so are we talking about so we're talking about the brutal death metal band from south africa vulvadania Vulvodania, Valvodania, however you want to pronounce yeah. it. It's a brilliant band name. Yeah. Something only like people who have a lot of time on their hands and medical books accessible to them will be able to, to figure to out. People who worship at the altar of Carcass, man. I mean, that's exactly, exactly. how Carcass yeah. got yeah. all yeah. their Yeah, uh, yeah. definitely. Uh, yeah. yeah, all so right. So, uh, Valvodania, Valvodania, shit. I still don't know how to pronounce <laughs> it, but whatever. Brutal death metal band from South Africa. Yeah. And they've got a release this Coming. year, which is Mob Justice. It'll I think it'll be out this week or something. Yeah. 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 So what's cool about it is the fact that this time around, they're, they are taking a break from the usual death metal fare in terms of lyrics. Yeah, when I got their press release actually, and that's the thing, because I there's so many bands in just so little time. While I was going to their press release, one of the things that kind of stood out for me, and I saw it in like 48 font <laughs> in front of me, literally, was it saying that these are issues that are being faced in South Africa. But for somebody who lives in India like us or other parts of the world, once you're listening to that music or going through the themes, you can probably relate it to 
the region you're living in. Absolutely. And that's one of the very powerful things about music. It allows you to vent out frustrations which you might not be able to do in your day-to-day life while you're just, you know, another average Joe. Yeah, but somehow this music gives you the power to be able to do that. And I think this is also a recurring theme with a lot of artists. Yeah, a lot to. of the people whom you've spoken to on the show already, yeah. that's what they end up writing about. Yeah, And music is, for them, as musicians or people, uh, it's kind of inspired them or got them a way to channel their anger, frustration in a more positive way of sorts. Yeah. And... Uh, for me, this album is a great example of that. Mob Justice, for a lot of people, you know, uh, South Africa, I mean, growing up in India, we always knew about South Africa as a place where cricket uh, yeah, and things so like that. it was cricket and safaris. Yeah. That's about it. And uh, and you would always uh, read about the Cape of Good Hope. Yeah. Or in geography. Uh, or what, what was it? Uh, Sun City, where they had all the pageants and stuff like that. Yeah. I can't remember, I think. Someone correct me on this. Okay, cool. All right. So, we're talking to their founder vocalist, Duncan. Yeah. Um, It was a great conversation with him. One thing I must add, and this happened just in time before we're recording this. Bulbadania, later this year in August, touring Australia. So, these guys are really doing a lot. And they're really spreading the word of metal. I mean, think about, I don't know how many... South African bands before have kind of toured around the world as much as them uh, and they talk and Duncan talks a lot about their touring experiences across yeah. Europe and stuff like that so I don't want to give too much away Alright, so that's a good enough introduction for whoever hasn't yet heard of Ulvodania we mentioned that name quite a lot anyways, let's get to know them a little bit more here is Duncan the frontman for South African band Ulvodania <laughs> Hi Duncan, welcome to Haunts Up. Thanks for joining us, giving us a little bit of your time. Uh, so I hear you just got back from a UK tour with Fit for an Autopsy and also Venom Prison. How were the shows? Yeah, the, the, man, it was really a dream come true. It was really awesome. Like all of the shows were really packed. We didn't have one show where we were like, damn, like that's not a good turnout. Like uh, I think uh, Fit for an Autopsy is built a really good... Um, fan base for themselves that side as well as pretty much all of the bands that were on the bill. So all of the shows were really packed and it, it was a great tour to be on. Like everybody worked super hard. So there wasn't a day where one person overworked themselves during loading and all of those types of things. So uh, yeah, it was, it was a good tour. It was a great success. Was this the first time you guys played UK? Uh, we've actually gone over before because uh, this tour actually hit Europe and the UK. Um, it was 12 dates in Europe and then we hit five dates in the UK. Uh, but we, we've gone there before. I think this was actually our fourth time going through there. Our oh, first wow. time was 2017 at a festival called Fall in the Brawl. Uh, we played at that festival for the first time. It was like an exclusive thing where they paid for the flights and all of that. And then uh, the second time was on a tour last year with Despised Icon. They actually hit Europe for the first time in a few years, and we were lucky enough to jump on that tour. And we hit a few UK dates on that tour, and then we hit uh, UK again, like two months after that, on our own headliner. So uh, we actually already have built quite a cool fan base that side, and people are pretty loyal to us, which is awesome. All right, so considering this was your fourth time, were there any firsts for the band on this tour? 
for us, uh, this was actually the first tour where we had our own sound guy, and it like okay. it opened new, which is really awesome. Like uh, on previous tours, we always relied on the in on the in house sound guy to do all of that stuff for us. And usually, like um, you know, what I mean, there'll be guys who just don't do things properly, and we'll end up with bad. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it could be quite a mess. No, no, we just had a guy that was really good, and he picked up on the things that we needed, and he just added that into our sets. Like, towards the end of the tour, we were sounding super, like, pro compared to previous tours, which we loved. So, you know, you've got your uh, new album coming out, uh, Mob Justice, later this month. How's the feeling? Excited? Nervous? Um, we're actually quite excited on this one because it feels like it's been the longest we've ever sat on an album. Like we, we, we had it done maybe three months ago. So like we've been sitting on it, just pushing it slowly and releasing song by song. And um, the excitement is just like on a new level right now. We really want to get that out there and just like show the fans what we've created already. But um, I, I think the response is going to be really good. So I can't wait for the end of the month. I'm just like counting the days. And, you know, before we kind of dig deep into the album, can you just uh, kind of take us back to your childhood and kind of trace your musical journey for us? So, like, what was it like growing up? What kind of music did you grow up with? Um, well, yeah, in South Africa, because I feel like uh, the whole internet thing with, like, streaming music and downloading music and whatnot, like, only hit South Africa later on, like, towards the end of, like, maybe the like the first 10 years of the 2000s like i think like in 2008 2009 around there was only when we discovered internet so up until then it was like whatever the radio or the media on the tv decided to show us and um i feel like south, south africa is always like 10 years behind when it comes to us playing on the radio at the moment <laughs> like we were listening to like 90s songs in like 2005 and things like that but, um, yeah, it was all, like, just mainstream stuff. Uh, my, my dad actually listened to quite a lot of classic rock, like ACDC and Metallica and Megadeth and all that type of stuff. So, like, I definitely think that got me onto where I am at the moment. Um, but towards the end of, like, 2008, I discovered, like, all the music that I listen to today through the internet. So... Yeah, that, that was pretty much how I started listening to the heaviest stuff. You get to the point where you just want to hear the most brutal thing you can, and you're like, no, this isn't good enough, and you keep going on to the next band, to the next band, and then you end up with slamming brutal death metal, and you're like, can this, okay. can this get heavier? <laughs> I, have to, I have to ask, uh, have you ever asked your dad how he got his hands on all those classic records? Was it easy to find music for him? Apparently, like... Back in those days, like the, the, there were quite a few record stores around, but the music that he got into wasn't, you know what I mean, big on the shelves. You'd really have to dig through the stores and look in the back and like, you know what I mean, check out for those those type of things. And it, it's usually imported, like you, you won't find those type of records or CDs this side unless it's been imported by the shop. So I guess we're, we're lucky enough to, to find a shop owner every now and then that decides to import and, you know what I mean, uh, like cater for those type of people that are looking for something different. Uh, what was the first metal album you ever heard? I'm trying to think now. Uh, like, to me, I, I, I probably think, like, 
Okay, when it comes to classic rock, it's probably going to be like fucking. I'm just trying to think now. With my dad, it was mainly ACDC. Uh-huh. So it something like Hell's Bells or something like that. But uh, metal album, uh, yes, see. I remember back in the day getting my hands on an obituary album. Whoa. Uh, but I, okay. Yeah, I can't for the life of me think of the album name at the moment. But you remember the I feel artwork? Like, like the album that made me think, wow, you can do other things with metal and you can make it sound ridiculously heavy. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember the artwork? Was it was it the eye or was it uh, a lot of green blood or green goo? What <laughs> was the eye in the tree? Ah, okay, that's uh, cause of death, right, Peter? Yeah, yeah, I think. Uh, yes, I think yeah. it would be that. It would probably be cause of death by obituary. Yeah, that was my first ever metal T-shirt. Wow! Like I. Remember- yeah, because my sister went to the U.S. on a short trip for work, and she ended up coming back with a bunch of CDs. She went there to a record store and asked, like, you know what I mean? Just give me five metal albums that you think would be cool for my brother to have. And she brought that back for me, and, you yeah, know, was one of them. So, yeah, that, it was that. Do you remember <laughs> what aspect of uh, that album or just metal as a sound uh, what aspect of it really attracted you? I, I love the fact that it freaked everybody out. Like, <laughs> the, like nobody else listening to that type of music at that time, and just like nobody else had a way to get their hands on it. So, but like playing that around other people, my friends, my family, it always freaked them out, and I just felt like that was awesome. <laughs> I'm, I'm, assuming, that, I'm assuming people, that your sister and your father and your family really supported you. <laughs> yeah, at the beginning they were like, I don't know what this is. This sounds evil because, like, my family does come from like a quite Christian background, and uh, at the beginning they weren't open to it. Like, they were like, I don't know. I think you should get rid of these albums. But my sister was like the one that was like, you know what I mean? Fuck that. Just listen to whatever the hell you want to listen to. And uh, yeah, the, I, I eventually just wanted to hear something heavier and heavier and heavier. And yeah, I, I just built up a good like music collection with that. So so. You know, just kind of shifting gears a little bit, you know, Velvet has been around for five years now and you're one of the founding members. So got to throw this uh, in your court. Why did Volvedinia need to exist? And what's the story behind the band coming together? Well, um, it was pretty much just like uh, it it was started by uh, our guitarist Luke and I. Uh, we were actually living in two different towns, like two different provinces in South Africa. Um, and I, at the point, had been in so many bands, but it was just bands where we would get together, write music, and then play live, but never record. Like, recording was like a, like an expensive thing to us. We we just thought, you know what I mean, you need lots of money and you need this and that to record. So um, at that point, I was over being in bands where I couldn't get my voice onto some recordings that I could push, you know what I mean? And uh, I just came out of a band that I was in called Acrimonious Anatomization. It was like a, a local band aside. And then he also came out of another band called Your Cynical Sanity, uh, which was in Durban. And I was in uh, Port Elizabeth, which is where I am now. And then uh, I actually messaged him over Facebook and I was like, dude, we need to do something together. Like, 
if you can record at home and send me those recordings via email, then I can try and track it here at home. And we were like at the beginning stages of like building our own home studios and stuff like that. So um, he trusted me enough, weirdly. I was like sending him voice notes with my vocals and stuff. And he, he recorded a three track EP. So he sent me those MP3s and I ended up uh, recording my vocals over them with like a broken drum mic like an instrument Whoa. microphone <laughs> and i was like plugging it directly into the computer with uh just like like an an adapter from a, a big aux jack to a uh -huh. tiny aux jack uh -huh. like into the mic jack and i was recording like that and um yeah we sent it off we got it uh mixed and mastered by this guy named byron dunwoody and he ended up like really liking the response we were getting from everybody from the EP. So he ended up joining the band and um, we, 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 were, we were like, we hadn't printed any of the EPs or anything like that. And we got contacted by a company called, um, which is from the US. And they were like, Hey guys, can we print like a hundred copies and we'll send you like 25. So we're like, okay, this sounds like a cool deal. You know what I mean? We don't lose anything. So they done that. And by doing that, we ended up getting some copies out to like, you know, I mean, 70 odd people in the US and they got to listen to it and they were sending us photos and stuff. So we had like the small fan base to start off with. And from there, because we had the producer in the band now, like we could record through his studio. Uh, he taught me like how to pretty much build a proper studio now with proper mics and all of that. And uh yeah, I ended up tracking the second album, Cognizant Castigation, at my home studio with like a proper mic and all of that. And then they done the instrumentals at his proper studio. And um, we released that online, still as a, a studio project. And then that's when the show offers started coming in. And we got picked up by another label after that uh, called um, Vicious Instinct Records. Uh, uh -huh. They're from Australia. Yeah, they picked us up uh, for a two-album run. So we done uh, Cognizant Castigation and Finnis Omnium Ignorantium, which is like the blue and the red album. We done those two with them. And uh, yeah, they, they just, they printed quite a few. They done a lot of merch. So that's when we started printing our own merch, getting that stuff out there. And slowly the band was just growing while we were just, you know, at home spamming that and, you know what I mean, con continuing with our daily lives. And it was only until uh, psychosadistic design in 2016 when we decided to become, uh, you know what I mean, a, a, a live band or a touring band. So, yeah, we moved on from there. All right. Okay. Now, you want, well, you've talked a lot about uh, what you'll have done in the past five years. And I was looking it up and you released three albums, three EPs and a split. So what's the writing process you guys followed, man? Um, like, because at the beginning we, we didn't have any touring plans or like, you know, playing live, uh, recording was like, and writing was so easy. Like usually we would just have tons of songs already written on Guitar Pro and we would just be like, okay, this one, and then pick a song and like write it like that. But uh, when it was just Byron and Luke, uh, doing the instrumentals, they would split the writing in half. So if there were like, say now 14 songs on that blue album, uh, Byron would write seven and then Luke would write seven. 
for instance. And then with the with the split albums, it was like songs we had left over that we decided like we weren't going to put on the album, but we still wanted to put it out there. So we were like hitting up other bands. We were like, okay, then let's do a, like a one song split. And you know what I mean? It, it's quite cool promotion for all the bands and it, it gives a lot of revenue to all the bands, which is always awesome. So it's a cool way to just get those songs out there that didn't make it onto the albums. Just coming now towards uh, your album, Mob Justice, uh, one of the things that really stood out for me is that, you know, themes or the lyrical themes are kind of far different. I mean, if you look at the lyrical themes of uh, psychosadistic design or the previous release, yeah. Fitness Omnium Ignotarium, you know, it's yeah. a lot more like brutal horror, serial killers, that kind of thing. On this the best way I can kind of describe it is the way you have, which says the horrors we face in our day-to-day lives in South Africa. So what yeah, kind yeah. of inspired that or motivated you to shift your lyrical themes? Like, um, it, it was a big thing for us. Like the Blue Album, we touched on a lot of like political themes, but none of it was really based on South Africa. It was based more on just like, you know, political things on, on like in general or just like things in a whole. But um, with with this album, we realized that when we were overseas, a lot of people were learning the lyrics and they were like screaming it back at us. And we wanted something that, I don't know, portrayed the way things were back home and also taught things more about, like taught people more about Africa, because I feel like there's a lot of misconceptions as well. And uh, things that people are taught from the media that clearly aren't the way things really are here. And we want to portray that a lot in the album. And I just feel like we've all gone through so much shit in South Africa that like we could definitely write an album about it. And like, it's, it's, it's just something we've definitely wanted to touch on. Um, we've all been through heavy things here, like robberies, um, yeah, other things that I won't mention, but uh, we just like to, you know I mean? Show people that it is a beautiful place, but there is a dark side. And I feel like it is that way with most countries in the world. And um, even though it, it might seem like it's it's closer to a first world country, especially South Africa, um, it definitely still is a third world country and, and the media tries to hide that. So we, we, we just want to touch on everything that is Africa and like um, the, the dark side of Africa. That's interesting you mentioned that because uh, that's a perfect segue to my next question. Uh, the news paints a really weird picture of South Africa. Uh, on one side, in India at least, it's all about the picturesque tourism, you know, the safaris, the scenery, even the cricket for that matter. Uh, and on the other hand, there's a lot about the unrest, the violence, the safety issues that you talked a little bit about, even even the water cuts and how you guys have to really deal with that kind of that kind of stuff, right? Um, So the question is, what's it like to be a metal band in South Africa? And does your music, which showcases so much dissent, uh, is there room for it? Does it find backers? Does it, is there room for such a, such kind of uh, an art form to exist? Yeah, the thing is like with everything in South Africa, there's so much corruption and um, it's, it's, it's definitely a big thing with our politics and it works its way all the way down to like even the small organizations which are supposed to help artists like musicians and things like that. And um, it was actually a big thing yeah, recently where um, 
there was companies stealing revenue that was supposed to be going to artists. Wow. Um, like yearly revenue and things like that. But uh, when it comes to metal in general, like I feel like the scene is is quite looked down upon and it's very small this side, but that just makes people want to stick together and, um, you know what I mean, stand tall and try and make it a, a powerful um, uh, aspect in the world. Yeah, especially in metal. Like I feel like when bands look at a world tour or things like that, they never look at touching Africa at all. So we also just like to show people, you know what I mean, the metal scene is... Uh, very loving this side and they do look after bands that come through here and they do look after each other in the scene which is an awesome thing uh, that's also another thing about this album we wanted to make sure that also it's home for our fans this side because previous albums haven't really gotten that much response as this new album has back home this side like when we've played uh -huh. shows out here now we see a lot more people respecting where we're coming from and uh respecting this direction that we're going towards now, which is cool. Do you see Valvodania as a torch bearer of sorts for the scene? And do you, like, I don't know, because the sense I'm getting is you guys want the scene to get noticed. You guys want to make the world know that you guys are from South Africa uh, and that metal exists and that metal is definitely reached the place and that you can produce world quality metal. Is that like, kind of like a purpose for the band? Yeah, it definitely is. I feel like, especially since we've been over to Europe uh, quite a few times now in the UK and now the US coming up next month. Um, whenever we're that side, people talk about like, wow, you're the, like maybe the first band we've seen from Africa or like they talk about us as that African band or, you know what I mean? We, we are representing the continent or the country whenever we are that side. So we'd like to just um, you know, you know, make sure that we, we prove ourselves and that we, we represent a good image for people back home if, if they're that side and like we're brought up in conversation when it comes about bands from Africa or from South Africa. So it definitely is a big thing for us and uh, we'd like this album to be the album that definitely carries the torch for uh, South African metal as a whole. And we, we try as much as possible to help other bands aside and like give them as much info and like knowledge as possible. Like we, we've, we've told bands just if you need anything, if you need some knowledge, we're here, just come and sit down, have a talk with us and we'll give you all of the knowledge we have to give. Like all the info we have of everybody overseas and like everybody that's helped us, we're willing to pass over to bands aside. So it's definitely, it's, it's a big thing for us. Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because I think that one of your initial tours that you did in the festivals and uh, for most people uh, who live in India, you know, hearing about a band from South Africa and then again, a band playing music like yours, Brutal Death Metal, it was kind of like, really? Is there a band like that? So that becomes the curiosity. Uh, yeah, we, we identify with it because a lot of people, when they hear about oh my God, you have death metal in India and the band will actually produce decent quality music, they are shocked. So I'm guessing it's still weird how metal brings the world together, but at the same time, it's still shocking for us right. to know that, that it exists. 
Exactly. No, I feel like it's gardening everywhere. Hey? Like no matter where you look, there, there's definitely one person that enjoys heavy music. And it's been a big stigma this side as well. People are like, especially musicians, they'll be like, if you're playing death metal or anything brutal, you're not going to go anywhere as a band. And that's why Volvedenia has been such a big fuck you to a lot of those type of musicians this side because we're doing better than a lot of the like rock acts from this side. So when they see us doing so well and touring there, they're like, how the fuck? And we're just proving to them that like, no matter what genre of music you play, there's millions of people out there that are willing to enjoy it. You just need to get the music to their ears and like, you know what I mean, get it to them. And that's that's where social media has has become a big tool for us and like a big stepping stone because we've used social media to get our music to so many people. And you know, if it wasn't for that, I don't know, it must have been so hard back in the day when internet wasn't a thing to get your music out there. I was just thinking the same thing. I was, In fact, the question I was formulating in my head was um, how important has the internet been to Volvodania's well, success? Yeah, it's been insanely like, like I owe everything to the internet pretty much. Like when it started out, like when we on maybe our first let's say like 10,000 Facebook likes, it was pretty much me spamming people. I was just <laughs> like copy pasting a message to everybody. Hey, check out my band, check out my EP, check out this album, check out this blah, blah, blah. And half of the people are like, hey bro, stop spamming me. But half of them will be like, okay, I'll check out your band. And slowly from there, you just snowball, like it gets bigger. But then I slowly learned how to use proper like Facebook marketing and like Google AdWord and all of that type of stuff. And I feel like that's also come a long way with the band is like learning how to do proper social media marketing. If you can get that down, then you can get your music to anybody's ears. Like no matter what genre you play, what music you're making, if you can get it to those people's news feeds and their computers and their ears, then you sorted. You got instant fans. I'm guessing after this interview, you and Peter should have a chat because Peter's daytime job, he's a marketing manager. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, dude, dude, yeah. That's sorted, that's sorted. Like anything you need to do with the band. Marketing practices, thanks to death metal. That would be a <laughs> conference I would attend. Yeah, no, it's it's really like music in general and just playing in this band has taught me so much that I never thought I'd learn. But uh, yeah, I've been able to put it into other aspects of my life as well because I've, I've got a brand that I've started up and that's actually my main uh, income. And I use my knowledge of social media marketing now to push like things that I'm selling on my brand. So it's like, you know what I mean? The music just opened so many doors for me that uh, I thought I wouldn't have, especially something like Brutal Death Metal. It's crazy. Just uh, kind of going into further into our interview, uh, would you say Vulvadania exists to make a statement or to influence a pub, uh, public opinion in any matter? And either this is your personal opinion or as a band, uh, do you believe that music has the power to influence opinion? I, I really think, like, when we started Volvidinia, we really wanted it to be, like, a, the the reason the earlier songs were, like, so hectic when it comes to the lyrical content is, we, is because we wanted it to have that shock value. And yeah. um, I feel like uh, people are actually listening to the lyrics now 
um, when it comes to these these brutal genres of music. And when we started writing songs that were more about like a political uh, vibe or aspect, I noticed that it actually amped the crowd up a lot more. So I feel like when when a band is big enough, they could definitely sway uh, things like that. Um, but uh, when when it comes to the way things are in South Africa, I don't know about uh, a genre like brutal death metal changing anything, but I think metal as a whole can definitely uh, be a driving force when it comes to like positive change and things like that in the world. Like we, we can spread positivity and um, things through our lyrics that I don't know, other genres couldn't. Like it, it would seem lame in other genres, but it's just it's 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 we're all open-minded. Everybody who listens to metal is down to earth and and like we understand the way things are especially if you're you're from countries like the ones we're from um i just feel like you understand how metal can actually save a person when they're going through something really bad because of the country they brought up in and that's where metal becomes another thing like it becomes something a person can cling on to it becomes like a, a brotherhood or like a driving force in the community. So something I have to ask, uh, has anyone come up to the band uh, specifically with a reaction that's similar to, I cannot believe you named your band that? Yeah, yeah we, we've had that reaction quite a bit, actually. Uh, we've actually had women who suffer from Volvidinia message uh, our social media quite a bit, like saying so that they they're trying to... you for help. Yeah, they're, no, they're trying to reach out to other people who are suffering from it and all that. Bad, and they're like, "What's going on?" But um, yeah, we've gotten that so much that we actually we ended up releasing a T-shirt, a limited run that we done last year. Um, and on the back, of, it was just a logo T-shirt, and on the back it said, "My pussy hurts." <laughs> and uh, we, we, we took twenty percent of the profit from that run of t-shirts and hoodies and we donated it um, to the nva.org which is the National Volvidinia Association um, and we donated it to them because they're actually helping sufferers and trying to find uh, towards it. Okay, cool. Uh, before we get any further, uh, just one quick roundup of Mob Justice. Can we play a track from the album and if so, what, which track would you like us to play for our listeners and why? Um, I think you guys should play Famine, one of our songs called Famine. And why is that? Um, it, it really hits home. It's actually one of the songs that we've recorded a music video for now. Um, yeah, it's still in the works. It's being edited at the moment. Um, and I don't know, the song really hits home for us. And I feel like it's, it's about poverty and it's about just how being born in, in, in a, like how where you're born decides how, how you will live your life in the end. Like, I feel like a lot of, of children, a lot of people are born in a place where they're not, you know, you don't choose where you're born and uh, they end up growing up and they're born into a life, uh, um, you know what I mean? Or, or like just born into poverty pretty much. All right. All right. So here's queuing up famine from Mob Justice by Wolverdania. Oh, the 
That was Famine uh, from Mob Justice, the latest album from Volvadenia. Uh, we're talking to Duncan, the vocalist. Uh, so yeah, you know, Duncan, one of the things I also noticed about uh, while I was going through our discography is that you guys have a lot of guest appearances. And on this album, you've got uh, Trevor from The Black Dahlia Murder, Martin Moustock from Guthalax, uh, Alex Taylor from Malevolence, so how do you kind of decide who is the best person to kind of feature on the track? Um, when, when we actually started out, I feel like the guest features were a big driving force for the band. Like a lot of people see so many bands releasing albums and when they see a name of an artist who they already enjoy, they immediately click play because they want to hear, you know, what this feature sounds like. Um, in the beginning, we actually just started getting everybody who we looked up to and who we loved. We emailed as many people as possible, and the people who actually replied were the ones who got on. But now we've gotten to the point where we can actually choose from an array of people and, and decide who we think would be best. We wanted to get Trevor from the Black Dahlia Murder on our previous album. Um, but he was on tour during that time and he sadly said he couldn't do it. So he said, hit me up during the next album. And we got to meet him last year at a festival called Death Feast in Germany. 
And we met him there and he was like, Daphne, I'm keen, send me the song, let's do this. So we booked him a studio in New York and he ended up going through. We Ubered him there and uh, he recorded the spot for us. So I think that, that that spot has been the biggest thing we've done yet, definitely, guest feature-wise. And um, I'm really excited to show that one to the world. Yeah, and I think Trevor's been a huge uh, supporter of the band because... Uh, he does the column, which I think is not that regular anymore, where he kind of recommends bands that he's listening to on Metal Injection. And I keep checking it out and I've kept seeing your name in there. So I'm glad you guys managed to get him uh, on yeah, this app. He's like an avid underground music fan. He listens to so many bands. He probably knows like every single band everywhere. <laughs> and... Um, uh, I remember he also mentioned us in a few comments with the Black Dahlia Murder page in the, the earlier years of the band, and we, like, freaked out. And um, he's just a, a really cool, down-to-earth guy and supports all of the, the underground music, which is really rare. So it's, it's cool to have him on the album, and I think he, he killed the spot. Like, he owned it, for sure. Awesome. Now, you guys are also performing at Ramfest. Um, help me understand this. What's the usual turnout for a concert like this one? And what does a concert like this tell you about the metal scene in South Africa? Um, from what you'll see on the lineup, like it's quite a mixed lineup. Uh, there's maybe three, four metal bands on the whole lineup, including us. And then all of the other bands are like rock bands. There's some EDM artists and all kinds okay. of things on the, okay. the 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 pool on an event like this will actually be quite big but it's awesome because it actually also turns a lot of new fans into i mean a lot of new music listeners into metal fans because there's just tons of kids there that that'll come and watch um but events like this usually pull a lot of people when it's an international artist from overseas because then people will fly up from pretty much everywhere else in South Africa, all the metalheads will congregate in like one area for a concert. Um, this festival is actually quite well known and it, they've been taking like an off year for, for I think like three years now. So th this is a big comeback for Ramfest and um, I'm really apt to see the turnout for it. But it's really cool to see that we're also getting some good recognition and some good offers when it comes to the bigger festivals in South Africa now because of us going over so much and like actually building up a name for ourselves. So it's cool. It's okay. a weird build that fans are saying like, what the hell is going on with that bill? But like, especially like we would never play a show with Attila overseas. I just feel like a promoter would never put us on that bill, but to be able to play with them, yeah, I think it will be really cool because we'll be able to play to new people and just build a bigger fan base here back home. Yeah, I mean, with a name like Ramfest, it's pretty easy to uh, just confuse it with a metal-only festival. Yeah, it used to be a metal-only festival, but I think uh, that was kind of the reason it, 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 it bombed out and went bankrupt, was because I think metal-only festivals are slowly not making that much cash, especially with the size that they're making that festival. Like, it's a really big stage, um, big venue. It's like next to one of the biggest stadiums here in Pretoria in South okay. Africa. Um, so yeah, so yeah, when they're putting that much money into it, they need to expand to some other genres to pull in enough kids. Um, but there's also another festival called Witchfest 
yeah, in South Africa that also went through like quite a bit because they brought down a huge lineup in 2015. But what a lot of these festivals are doing now is they're just bringing down one international act and then getting a ton of local acts. And that seems to be uh, like the better idea instead of bringing down a ton and then just sitting with a lot of debt afterwards. Just uh, kind of shifting gears a bit again, um, you talked a bit about your US tour that's coming up uh, next month. Uh, you're playing with uh, Scumfuck and also uh, Cognitive. Cog- now, this is your second tour with Cognitive. What are you looking forward to at these shows? Um, I, I'm just really looking forward to finally play to our US fan base um, because I feel like now that we've, because we, we started touring overseas in 2017 already and ever since then our US fan base has been begging for a tour and now that we're finally going over there I feel like the turnouts are going to be really good and I'm just excited like all of the the dudes from Cognitive have been a big help for us that side uh, Rob which is the guitarist for Cognitive he's the one that helped with the booking along with Autry Global and um, yeah they're just really good guys that have really um, helped us out and shown us what we need to do in order to um, get everything sorted for that side, which is really rad. The only thing is, like, getting visas for us here in South has been such a big thing. that We actually had a US tour book for last year, but we couldn't go through because of visas. Um, we've needed to hire lawyers in the US uh, to do all the paperwork for us and also create a track record and just be everything we need for the, the US visas. Um, so, yeah, that, that's that been quite a big thing for us. But we're super excited for those shows. I feel like it's going to be really packed at every show. We're just sad that it's only the East Coast. Um, but in the end, we're actually happy that it's not too many dates because it's only 14 dates. And we, we played a month-long tour last year and it, it killed us. It was It was a bit too brutal. Since you just touched a bit about this, uh, what do you find similar or different in the audiences in the different countries you've performed so far? I feel like every country has their own type of people. It's crazy. Um, uh, also, their own type of moshing and all kinds of things like that. Like when when we were in the UK, for instance, people were just hitting each other, like just crowd killing and like crazy dancing and all kinds of stuff like that when we're in germany there's just like hammer pits where it's like literally a circle pit but they just walk slowly and they hold their beers and they do that (laughs) (laughs) i have to look this up man and then um like i've noticed i don't know like italy's just every other place like south africa for instance is just mainly push moshing like everybody's against the hardcore dancing thing and but i like all of it i like every style of moshing i think it's it's interesting to watch a crowd when you're on stage and it's it's quite entertaining i don't know just like i feel like every everybody brings their own vibe like there's been countries like poland for instance or like i've heard stories about russia and in japan as well where like people will just stand and watch and like you don't know if they're enjoying the music but at the end they'll all clap and be like yeah that was sick so like there's places where people will just enjoy standing and watching the music instead of actually going crazy and and hitting the shit out of each other so but I I, I like every crowd reaction I feel like no matter what's going on in the crowd still give you all and you know I mean you don't know who's watching or who's filming so 
might as well just give you all every night and it's that one hour a night so i hope you guys get booked in india soon so that you can get a taste of what indian metal heads have yeah, to offer like we we actually good friends with uh, these guys over there they're in a band called gutslit of um, course and of course we've had crazy stories from them we actually played a sto- uh, a show with them uh, at death feast in germany mm-hmm. in, in 2017 and we got to hang out with them and everything really cool guys um but yeah no the the, the indian metal scene looks awesome um, i also followed uh, some friends of our still both Uh, German guys that we toured with on our first Europe tour, they actually went through there with Gutslit, and we just followed them uh, on their social media. And the Indian shows look crazy, man. They look yeah. awesome. Right, so I, I was actually, down. I was actually at the Stillbird show uh, earlier this year when they played, and it was a lot of fun, man. Like these guys seriously yeah. put on a great. Show. I, I really want to play some places like that, man. Really, I feel like it will be a lot closer to to home. Playing and playing India would be awesome, man. We just wanna we wanna book a whole Asia tour and and come through, start off in India and kick it off from there. Yeah. So I'm 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 gonna call out Gurdeep in this because he has a lot of experience and he did that with uh, Stillbirth. Yeah. Uh, they did a yeah, whole Asia tour together. And uh, uh, another guy, he's the best. You know, we've had a great conversation, Duncan. Thanks a lot for taking uh, time out. Have a great show this weekend, and uh, yeah, man. All the best for the album, also. Thank you guys so much, guys. Like really, it, it, it was cool talking to you guys, and thank you for taking your time out just to have a quick chat. It was awesome. Thank you, man. Horns up. Horns up. Horns up. Wow, that got pretty real at some point over there, right? I mean, it's almost like. the bombay hardcore scene they're all singing about or we are all singing about the daily amount of shit that we go through and i'm glad you're doing it because uh someone needs to be shedding light on these issues and clearly like writing about dragons and fire and i don't know what else is not going to shed light i've always found that a bit weird like um a band from bombay india talking about frostbitten lands and winter in with snow and stuff <laughs> I, no I, offense i'm obviously referencing somebody over there but yeah <laughs> i i also kind of wondered i mean of course i've lived in frostbitten places so i understand <laughs> and it i don't think i've ever appreciated black metal more than that but uh, <laughs> Yeah man I don't know many bands who've written like summer black metal music or Def like Haven. No yeah I don't know Anyways let's not get into that debate <laughs> again because you've had that quite a lot of times already But it was a great conversation with Duncan I loved hearing about you know all their touring experiences great to hear about their camaraderie with uh, Gutslit again yeah. uh, flying the flag for india yeah. for metal across the world Gutslit if you're listening we need to have a chat with you you seem to be the new torch bearers of indian metal all around the world yeah and they're currently on tour in europe so uh-huh. they're sure definitely going to create a lot more fans this time around and play with a lot more bands telling them that hey india is metal so yep definitely So with that it's a wrap on this episode. Where can people find us Peter? 
So we're Honza Pod on Twitter. I'm Trend Crusher on Twitter and most social media platforms. I'm at Asmani only on Twitter. Uh, I don't want to tease next week's guest. We've got somebody really whom we fanboyed over a lot. I don't think I've been more excited for an interview than I've been for this one. And yeah, getting an email confirmation from him was the highlight of my day. All right. Anyways, I think I think we're out of time. Let's let's focus. Let's not like do weird things. Let's not chase in air. Uh, let's not. I mean, after all, we need we need some rest. We are just carbon-based anatomies. Oops. We're humanoids. Um. Yeah. Anyways, don't like. I know you're very kind, but don't bend to free me and stuff. That's really bad. These are really bad segues. If anybody's got a hint of who we are talking about, yes, you know who it is. If you don't then listen look to your up. fucking metal. <laughs> or look it up, Google. <laughs> Anyways, horns up guys. Horns up.